What a ride. And that's what we've been saying from uh, the beginning, you guys, is that uh, when you hook your life up with the God who really is alive, there's just, you just have no idea what he's going to do with you. But it will be an adventure, and that is one thing we know for sure. In fact, I, I want to share a story with you, but before I do, how many of you were actually here on our opening service? How many of you were here on our opening service? Is that not cool? Like, only like 25 of you. That is fantastic. And so um, I just love the fact that through these five years, we've been drawing more people. Well, I want to share with you a story I shared um, on that first day. And uh, it's this. Uh, it's been one of my best understandings of what life is like. And uh, how many of you like roller coasters? How many of you roller coaster lovers? All right. All right. Awesome. How many of you hate roller coasters? Okay, I, I'm always amazed at how many people hate them, uh, except I grew up with a dad who hated them. Uh, my mom made him get out one one time, and uh, she said after they got off and he was green, she never made him go on one again. And so, uh, but I, I grew up as a kid who hated roller coasters. I mean, I, I just, I was scared of heights and falling and all that kind of stuff. And then uh, I remember my older brother and sister made me get on Space Mountain at Disneyland. Hey guys, Space Mountain at Disneyland? Okay, so, so I get on that thing and it absolutely freaks me out. But I eventually grew up to the point where I love them now. And I, I don't even know how that transition happened. But when I thought about it, I go, there really are two types of people with roller coasters. And you have the ones that when you walk in, right, you're scared to death of them. And all your buddies are running to the roller coaster, you know, and you're going, hey, you know, that uh, thing that turns around looks pretty good over here. And uh, maybe we could just do that. Uh, it's time to get in line. And, you know, you're letting people go in front of you, you know, because maybe, you know, oh, I just, you know, I got to go to the bathroom. You, you figure out everything you can do to not get on that ride. And then eventually it happens and the little gate opens up and it's your turn. And where do you choose to sit if you hate a roller coaster? Right in the middle, man. All right? It's safe there in the middle. You sit down, you take the seatbelt, you tighten it so hard you can't even breathe, right? You pull the bar down, and then you grab it with everything you've got. And then all of a sudden, that horrific thing begins. Click, 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 click. And you're just going up, and you are white-knuckled. And then all of a sudden, you reach the top, and it comes over, and you just... Aah! And you hate every minute of it. You hate the person who got you on that thing and you just can't wait to get off it. It's horrible. And then you have those people who love it. How many of you have been to Cedar Point? Any Cedar Point? Okay. You have not been to an amusement park until you've been to Cedar Point. That place rocks. I have some friends who literally, whenever there was a new roller coaster at Cedar Point, they would camp out the night before to be the first people in the park. And as soon as they would open up, they would be the first people in line, and they would run to that coaster and make sure they were the first ones on it. Okay? I mean, that's what it is. You're crazy. You're cutting in line, right? You want to get to the... And then when they open up the gate and you get in, where do you sit? You sit in the front or the back, because the back is already flying before you even go over the hill. It's awesome. And the best ever is the stand-up roller coasters, right? Because if it's a stand-up one, then you have to be in the front. Because you put that thing right around your, your, your shoulders and you hold your arms out like this and you just hang. It's awesome. You get in your seat and what do you do with the seatbelt? You make it as big as it can so you can fly out of your seat while you're going over the little hills. You know, I mean, you start clicking up. Your hands are up like this. You're looking at the dude in the middle going, come on, man, let's go. 
You are so psyched. And you hit that kill and you lean over and you just scream, but it's with delight. You go, yeah! And you love it. And what I realized, you guys, the first time I thought about that, is there are some people who go through life white-fisted and they grab onto the bar of life and they try to control it and they try to tighten it up and they go up and down because, man, once you go down the huge hill, then you've got the twists and the turns and maybe upside down and you're banging left and right and you're just, this is horrible and you're just, you're just trying to make it through and then you've got some people who are on the exact same ride It's flying down. They're getting banged left and right too. They're going upside down. It hurts just as much. It's just as crazy. And somehow they're able to go, woo! And I just thought, what life are you living? And what life do you want to live? And for me, when I found Jesus Christ... One of the coolest things was in finding Jesus Christ is I found, because I tell you this, there's no way I'm hanging up like this unless I have a bar holding me, right? Because then that would be like really insanity. But when you find Christ and you find the security of being loved no matter what, of a God who knows you, who created you with a purpose, and who now says, I will never leave you, I will never forsake you, I am always with you. Just read that again this morning. I am with you. When God is with you, then you can put the bar over your shoulders and you can go, then let's go for the ride. And I'm telling you, it's not like, it's not a merry-go-round. It's not, whoa, wow, I found Jesus, and look at this little nice life I have. It is not... When you get in life, whether you have Christ or not, is this life not out of control? This life is crazy, and this life is nasty, and this life is wonderful, and this life is hard. This life is horrible, and this life is awesome. And you can either go through it like this, or you can go through it like this. That was the message that we gave five years ago when we started K2. How many of you have ever been to King's Island? Anybody ever been to King's Island? How many of you have ever ridden the beast? Okay. Now, you guys, this is fun. Some people know what I'm talking about. Here's the coolest thing about the beast, right? You get up, you click, click, click. You go down that huge first hill. You swing around. You go all over the place. And you're just like, man, this is awesome. But now, you know, because after you've done the big hill, it's kind of over, right? Now you're just going to kind of go fast and go around. With the beast, halfway through, all of a sudden you go, click, 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 click. You get to do it twice. It's awesome. And I tell you, when I thought about the beast, that's how I feel today. That's how I feel today. In fact, I don't feel like that just today. That's how I feel with Jesus like all the time. Because what I realize with him is as long as he keeps me on this earth, he has me on a ride. And he has me on an adventure that is so far beyond me. And... um, And all we've been doing for five years is just seeing who else he's actually inviting to be on that adventure. Who else is it that God is trying to say, hey, connect your life with Jesus Christ and find the life that I have for you. And um, 
And that's what it is. So if, I don't know, have you guys seen, how many of you have seen our Knowing or Question God campaign? You guys seen our Question God campaign? Got billboard, or, well, if you come to K2, you do, because it's right there. So, uh, but you know, it's been on Facebook, it's on I-15, there's, a, you know, we put flyers, 10,000 flyers went around the valley. And, um, and basically, guys, um, what we're trying to do here is to say, this journey is going to continue, and it's going to be really important if we're actually going to know God to ask some questions about who he is and what's going on. I had a great one. This gal just uh, yesterday, I think, um, said, I'm curious as to how you believe you know all of God's answers. Well, just come and find out. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, I mean, I, you know, it's just, you know, all she had to do was be here for a little while and she would know we don't, right? So, um, and then she just said, no religion has ever been able to prove that there is, in fact, a God. However, this religion not only believes there is one, but can speak in place of God, as a prophet would do, or the Pope. And um, I just want to say right off the bat, if you're here visiting, and if maybe you've showed up today because of this question God thing and just wonder who we are, you've got to understand, man. You know, believe me. Again, we are no Pope. I am no Pope. I do not claim to be able to speak for God as a prophet who knows all of his answers. What I am, you guys, is I'm, I'm just a guy who's discovering more about God all the time. Um, but, and I, I walked um, around my backyard this morning early and just prayed about it. I can say this, though. See, I'm a guy uh, who has a story. K2 has a story, and I have a story. Uh, just a few highlights. I could go for a few weeks on my story, but... I was, at ele- I was 11 years old going to a church, like a lot of 11-year-old boys do, right? You're bored out of your socks, and you hate this, and mom and dad make you go. It's awful. And, um, and yet one day, um, God made himself real to me. Wasn't looking for him. Didn't necessarily want him. <laughs> and he just made himself very real to me. And on that day, I decided to go ahead and trust him and to put my faith in him and to receive him because they told me I could do that. They told me that I could actually put my faith in a God who loved me and who took care of everything that was keeping me apart from him. I was 11 years old. What do I know? But man, my heart would not let me not do that. Thank you. And, um, and all I know is ever since I was 11 years old and I made that decision, my life has never been the same. And I, you know, I, I sinned like a banshee after doing that, which is an interesting ride, uh, loving Jesus and screwing up a lot. Uh, then eventually when I was in college, he just showed up again while I was riding a lawnmower, <laughs> working for the city parks in Lapeer, Michigan. I wasn't in a service. Nobody was trying to get me to do anything for Jesus. Um, I was just having a nice, sinful life like everybody else, and he wouldn't, that wasn't okay with him. And he bugged me on that dumb lawnmower to the point where I, I had to follow him again. That's just my story. Then I, I wanted to teach high school and coach football. Great game last night, you game, by the way. Um, but I just wanted to, 
that's what I wanted to do with my life. And then right near the end of my college years, I realized God did want me to teach, but not social studies. And he called me into this ministry thing that scared the crud out of me. I thought every minister was weird, and they are. And um, I, uh, but I knew I had no other choice because when you give your life to the God who created you, and he can actually do with you what he created you to do, I can tell you this, I guarantee it's probably nothing like you thought. I know it has been for me. Did that in Ohio for a few years, and then uh, went to Detroit, Michigan to help start a church called Kensington. Um, didn't know people started churches. I thought they all, were, they all existed. Never thought about that. I guess a church had to start at some point, didn't it? Um, so we started this church and went on an amazing ride. For 13 years I was there. Very good place. Secure. Loved my people with my family. And then I got that crazy ass to consider doing this church. See, that's just, that's just my story. And what I have found in my, is I keep discovering God. I'm still discovering God. I, I'm always am discovering God more and more with what he wants to do with my life. And there are twists and turns. Holy smokes. There are blessings beyond imagine. And there are pains that, are, um, that aren't really fun to go through. But you don't go through them alone anymore. There are thrills, and there's monotony. <laughs> there's a lot of boring times walking with God, you know? And then there's mountains, and then there's valleys. But you guys see, what I have come to realize, and I think you know this too, is that life is a story. Your life. You guys have a story, right? Every single one of you has one. We could all take time, and you know, you each could come up here, and, and you could share your story. That's what you are. Your life is a story. And what hit me, what's so funny about you have a story, I have a story. And then what's interesting is all of a sudden our stories intersect. That while, like Eric Winter, who's our operations director here, I've known him since I was nine. I met Eric when I was nine years old. <laughs> it's awesome. And by Eric and I meeting when we were nine years old, by his parents coming from Germany and choosing to live in Lapeer, Michigan, you know, I mean, we just we ran into each other. And it's changed our lives forever. Rutledge sitting right here, and Susie, his wife, we met at Kensington in a singles ministry. Mike and Susie met in my singles ministry. Isn't that cool? <laughs> um, so, but I mean, seriously, and I, I just think back to, you know, we do these funky little retreats, and Mike be leading the band, and I'd be singing with him and, and just doing stuff, and, um, you know, we, we had no idea that we would now do this together. It's changed our lives. That woman right over there, Holy crow, you know? I mean, I'm in Southern Cal going to seminary, and she's in Missoula, Montana. <laughs> and we meet in Mexico, New Mexico. I mean, you know, whatever. I mean, you just never know, you know what God's up to and what he's going to do. But anyway, your stories intersect with Andy and Soggy and Christian, and they change you forever. And what's interesting is that happens over and over and over again. And what I realize is every single one of you that I can look at in here that I know it's like once we get to know you, our lives change. They change. And you know what? I still discover more. I'm still discovering more of God every time I run into one of you. But here's one of the things that really hit me with this, you guys. Again, intersections with other people have made me aware of one thing. 
This life is not about me. This life is not about me. There is a, I'm a, I have a story, you have a story, but there is a bigger story going on. And I'm a part of the story, but I'm not the center of it. Can you imagine if I met you and said, hey, just want to let you know uh, this whole thing is about me. <laughs> and so now that you've met me, um, you will finally find the purpose for your life. And, I mean, that may be the most insane thing to, if you, for, for any of us to ever think that this was about us. And yet what happens is we get caught up in our life and it's all about us. We wake up in the morning and it's my job and it's my family and it's my issues and it's my finances and it's my, and, and, and every decision we make gets revolved around our little world because this is the one world I got and this is it. And one of the greatest things that I think faith has done for me is I run into people and as I get to know God, I'm like, wait a second, if I live like this, this is my life. Man, we'll never have our life. We'll never experience everything that God has for us because what he has for us is so much bigger than our old deal. You guys, again, life is a story. And if you have a story and I have a story and yet none of us is the center of it, then we got to ask, well, then what's this all about? (laughs) What is this story about that I'm a part of but not the center of? John Eldridge in this little book called The Epic said this, life doesn't come to us like a math problem. It comes to us the way that a story does, scene by scene. You wake up, and what will happen next? You don't get to know. You have to enter in, and you take the journey as it comes. And we're taking the journey, whether we like it or not. Again, I think it's so funny that none of of us got to vote on whether we were going to be born or not. You know, hey, I'd really like a say in that, please. (laughs) If I have to enter this crazy story or not. No, boom, you're in the scene. Okay, I'm here. I'm on the stage. It's scene eight, act 42, and I have no idea what's going on. And yet I'm in the story. But you guys, when there's a story, if I want to know Susie, if I want to know you, if you want to know me, then I have to know your story. And what I want to say to you today is the same thing is true with God, I believe. We believe here. That there is a story, and it's God's story, actually. In the beginning, remember? (laughs) Kind of like once upon a time, something happened. The story began. And let me just, I'm just going to bust through this really quickly, but every great story, grab this little book, The Epic. It's really cool. But John Elger just shares how every good story that you and I love, every good movie. Susie and I just went and saw Star Trek. You know, we're late, but did you guys see Star Trek? Whew, that was sweet. And I'm not even a Trekkie, like, at all. Uh, my wife is, which is kind of weird to me. So um, she had the pointy ears on. I, you know, um, no, she didn't. I'm kidding. But in every great story, there's an author, right? There's somebody. And what's so interesting, what Eldridge helps us to bring out, is the story that has been revealed through Jesus. Is it before you and I or anything ever existed, he did. And what's really wild is it was this, is in the Christian faith, it's this Trinitarian belief in God. That there was Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So in the very beginning, when it says that they created man, it says, let us, let us, create man in our image. Very intriguing that it was plural language, and yet there's only one God. See, what was happening before the 
world was ever created is that God was in perfect relationship. God is love. He's love. And so there was this perfection of existence of love. But like every good story, because there's always there's some love. I don't care, man, if it's the wackiest movie guys are shooting up everybody. There's always some broad that he loves. It's just in there. You know, we got some love thing going on. And then there's a villain in every good story. And again, before the world was ever created, the story of God through Christianity is that before the world was ever created, there was a being who said, you know what? I don't like you being God. I want to be God. <laughs> I don't like the fact that you want to be in control. I want to be in control. I want to run things. I want to do what I want to do, and I want to do it my way. And he caused a revolt to happen in the heavenlies before this place was ever even created. So there was a conflict. You ever, you ever gone to a movie where there's no conflict? Is there anything more boring? I mean, it's just, you know, uh, it's just, you, you've got to have some, con- even chick flicks have conflict. It's real interesting to me. Um, there's a villain. There's a problem. There's romance. And this is where creation comes into play. Is God creates the world. And we come on the scene. And there's a romance that's supposed to happen. But in that romance, there's a conflict. The Bible calls it sin. And the conflict is actually between us and God. (laughs) Where we don't really want to follow God. Where we want to do the same thing just like the spiritual enemy did before us. And then we get in these relationships, (laughs) right? And boy, you want conflict? You know, like get married. It's awesome. (laughs) Get close to another person. And what happens is you get conflict. Why? Because I want to do my own thing and so do you. Man, there's lots of conflict, right? I mean, look around the world. Woo, lots of stuff. And then what's amazing is the Bible goes on and it says, and in the midst of the conflict, right? There's the hero. There's the hero. Every story has a hero. Star Trek, it was awesome. Captain James T.R. Kirk. <laughs> a hero. And then there's a rescue. And then after the rescue... They live happily ever after. And what God has said is, there's a lot of love. In fact, I am love. But there's a lot of conflict in this story called life. So I sent a hero. I sent Jesus Christ to come and resolve this conflict so that we could get back together again so that we could be the way that I intended it to be, so it could be resolved, so you could know how much I love you, so that you could know that I love you even when you could care less about me. When I am your enemy and you're angry at me, I want you to know I love you. And so God says, let's do it. Let's see it. Let's, Let's have a hero. Let's have a rescue. And then let's all live happily ever after. None of us are at that point yet, which is so cool. That chapter hasn't been written for us yet, but it's going to be. So here's what hit me, you guys. Why do we need to ask questions? As a church, why did we want to do this series? Question God. Question him. And I just want to give you three reasons why I think we should ask some questions. By the way, can I just share a funny story? We were, we were out passing out our little question God, you know, little brochure or thing, door hangers. And uh, I was walking with Ashlyn and Susie was with uh, Mariah and Caleb and we're going down our, our streets in our neighborhood. And Susie met this wonderful, really sweet um, elderly gentleman. 
was having a great conversation with him, and Ashley and I were on the other side of the road. We got done, so we came back, and we were sitting there talking, and, and um, so he sat down, and our kids sat on their stone little fence, and, but we needed to get going and stuff, so I said, okay, so we probably, you know, that's so great to m- meet you, and all of a sudden, Ashley goes, hey, so um, are you going to question God? <laughs> Don't you love kids? I mean, they just totally expose you, completely. So are you going to question God? Uh, luckily, I don't think he heard her. So, um, so we, we went on. But so here's my. I, but I want to ask you. So, are you going to question God? Are you going to? And why should you? Because I think you should. Here's the first reason why I think we should question God. It's because we enter the story in the middle of it. The story started way before us. It's been going on for thousands of years, <laughs> and then we come on the scene. Have you ever entered the movie halfway through it? You ever done that? You ever walk in the movie and go, oh, I get it. No, you don't. You have no idea what's going on with that movie. So what you have to do is, what do you have to do? You have to ask questions. And hopefully there's been somebody who was there from the beginning who got to see it. And then you can ask you questions. Hey, what's going on? Oh, who's that? Why did he do that? And so you have all these questions because you want to pick up so that now that you're going to watch the rest of the story, you go, got it. Okay, I get it. Okay, good. All right, so with God, if he's been busy, and we're in 2009, and he's been busy for thousands of years, and then actually in eternity before he created everything, I think that's a really good reason to ask him questions. So there is no wrong question. There is no bad question. Go for it. Ask him everything that you've got, because there's no way we know what's going on. And again, remember, you're a part of the story, but you're not the center of it. And that's why, when we, who, are, who are you guys at K2 to think you can answer these questions? Well, listen, I'm still discovering too. I'm on this journey too. But through his scriptures and other things, we're going to see what he has to say about the questions that we're going to ask him. The second reason why I think we should ask questions is because the story is bigger than our own experience. I, I, only, I live in Salt Lake, you know? In 2009, I know very little of the whole bigger deal. Look at this verse, Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 11. It says, He has made everything beautiful in its time. He has also set eternity in the hearts of men, yet they cannot fathom what God has done from beginning to end. That's a beautiful verse. One of the things I like about that verse is it says that God set eternity in our hearts, you guys. And I think what that means to me is that there's something that we long for. Isn't it weird how as a human being, we're just not like, hey, this is cool. Kind of like this. I mean, we hardly ever feel that way. We always feel like there's something missing or there's something more. Or I just, I, and there, I think it's because God has set eternity in our hearts. That's why we wonder, why are we here? And what's this all about? And then I think that's why there needs to be a place for your questions to be asked. Because if eternity is in our hearts, that's so far beyond us. And we need to be able to question and figure out what that's all about. And the other thing I love about this verse is it says, we cannot fathom what God has done from beginning to end. You know what hit me? Why should we ask questions? Because if you're not asking questions, then then it might come across as you know everything that God knows already. (laughs) I mean, and and that would just be really, because obviously, do you really want a God um, that you could fully understand? (laughs) I, I think about that a lot. It's like, why would we want to ask questions? Because God is so much bigger. The story is so much bigger. And if I don't have any questions for God, 
I think I've got this thing figured out. That would just be ludicrous. Of course we don't have this thing figured out. And so we got to ask our questions. And I got to tell you too, if your God fits in your intellectual capacity, you really want a God that small? (laughs) I'm telling you, I hope God blows my mind. I hope he is so far beyond me. I hope I never get all my questions answered. That I could be like, God? That's creepy. I want him to be that. And so I'm going to ask him my questions. And that's why for us to feel like, hey, who are we to answer, ask, answer all God's questions? We're not. We're still discovering. But we're going on that journey together. Here's the, here's the third reason why I think we need to ask our questions. Is that we really don't know the one who's writing the story. We, we really don't know him. And so we got to ask some questions to get to know him. This is the conflict. See, the Bible tells us that everyone is born with this nature that's bent away from God, um, and we're bent towards ourselves. The Bible calls this, this issue called sin, and it, and it actually separates us from God. Look at these couple verses here. Romans 3, 23. I'm just going to read the first verse. It says, For all have sinned. There's not a human being alive. None of us are perfect in this world, and we all know that. And we all fall short of God's glorious standards. So we fall short. We're not with God. We don't get him totally. We fall short of that. Look at this verse. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 12 says this. Paul's talking to a group called Gentiles, which would be, if you're not Jewish, that's you. (laughs) And if you're not Jewish, that'd be me. And he tells us, he goes, in those days, in the earlier days, you were living apart from Christ. You were excluded from God's people, Israel, and you didn't know the promises that God had made to them. You lived in this world without God and without hope. So here's my point. Why at K2 would we say, man, we need to ask God a lot of questions? I think it's because we don't really know him. When you meet somebody that you don't know, okay? So maybe it'll happen today. If I meet one of you and I don't know you, then one of the first things that's going to happen is I'm going to ask you some questions, right? Hey, so is this your first time here? Um, how'd you hear about it? Where do you live? What do you do? Got any kids? You know what I mean? You just, what do you do? You just start asking questions when it's somebody who's brand new. If you are beginning to think about having a journey with God, what are you going to do? So uh, how are you? Um, how long have you been around? Uh, what are you up to? You know, I, you would ask God questions. When you observe someone from a distance, okay, and you go, why in the world did they do that? You ever done that? Like you're watching somebody, you go, what is up? <laughs> you know, now you know what I'll do? I've got all my reasons, man. You know, I, it, I, I, my, to my own shame, one of my pet peeves is just bad service in a restaurant. You ever, you know, anybody else? It's just, you know, what is their deal? I am here. <laughs> and, you know, and then what I do is I, I have all these reasons, right? Why they're, you know, if you watch someone from a distance, you have all these reasons of why you think they're doing what they're doing. How are you ever going to find out why they're actually doing what they're doing? You'd have to go ask them. And I think what we do is we, like, we, we observe God from a distance. And we go, what in the world was that all about? Why did that happen? What is this? And what I'm hoping we'll do this month is actually go to him and ask him. And I tell you, you guys are asking some good questions. Kind of freaking me out. It's going to be a fun month. 
But that's what we do. And if you want to get to know somebody, really, then you ask them questions. I mean, when I met Suze and she opened her mouth for the first time and this stuff came out that just went, whoa. I got to get to know her. Man, when you want to know somebody, remember guys? When you want to know that woman, man, you start just drilling them with questions. You want to know everything about them. You want to get to know them. And I just want to encourage you, if you want to get to know God, then you got to ask questions. And so here's a key for me, if I can share with you, it hit me really strongly this week, about this series that we're going to go into together. Um, for me personally, uh, it's not an intellectual pursuit. It's a relational pursuit that necessitates questioning. Okay? Uh, let me just say it again. To me, when you de- start dealing with God... It's not an intellectual pursuit. It's a relational pursuit that necessitates questioning him. I'll be, just, this is me. See, I don't like to debate. Some people do. Some, some pastors are really good at it. I'm just not. If you want to debate, there's some great churches where you can do that. I, and I'm not even demeaning debate. I'm just, I just, that's just not me. I just want to tell you who K2 is a little bit. It doesn't interest me a whole lot but I do really, really value relationships. And I know to have a relationship, you have to dig deep and you have to ask tough questions and you've got to dialogue. I love my wife. We've been together for 10 years and we're still discovering each other. And we will until we die. And so with God, I think the same thing is true. And so I'm not necessarily... uh, thinking, oh, I know this. I'm not going to prove anything to you this next month. I have no intention of proving anything to you. I don't think we can prove God. I don't think we can prove Jesus. I don't think we can. But I think we can give you enough evidence, enough evidence, so that you can make a wise, good, right decision about who he is. And so two things I know that, that must happen for a relationship to take place. The first one is you got to be honest. <laughs> you know, if, if Susan and I are going to have any type of real relationship, then we have to be really honest with each other. And so I want to encourage you to be really, really honest with God. Without truth, there's no relationship. It's just a facade and it's a joke. And can I just say, a lot of you who are Christians need to be more honest with God about your real questions. Do not candy coat what's really going on inside, thinking God will be angry if he knows. He knows. <laughs> just, 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 he's not up there going, God, I wish I could tell what he's thinking. Um, he knows, but we feel like we've got to shove these things down, and then you can't have real relationship with God. And so if you've got the question, then you got to expose it and just get it out there. Be as honest as you can. And then God can meet you with his grace and his love. The second thing that needs to happen in, to have a relationship is I have to be humble. All right? Again, if Susan and I, if I'm the man of the house, right, and I'm going to come at her and tell her things and ask her a question so I can know more of how to be the man of the house, I mean, it's just going to be a mess And one of the things I just want to ask you before we jump into the series uh, this month is why are you asking your questions? 
and what are you actually pursuing? And I, I don't know, I, I never know, <laughs> most of you who are here. And so can I, I just want to throw out to you, I think there's a couple possibilities. Because you can pursue relationship, and this, is, and this is a strong word, but I think it's the one I want to use. Or you can pursue dominance. In every screwy relationship, humanly speaking, is when one person wants to dominate the other one. Boy, that's ugly. I will get you to do what I want you to do. Now, you want to mess up a marriage. Manipulate, force, get that person to do what you want them to do. So, it's really weird, but we actually want to do that with God even. So when you ask your questions, you go, now, do I really want to know the answer? Do I want to pursue what God has to say? Or do I want to ask him, ask him tough questions so that I can get him? In fact, one Andy and I, when we were working on this this week, we just said, I think we can say two things. Either I want to know you with my questions or I want to grill you. <laughs> now, here's what's cool about God. You can grill him all you want. You really can. And I would say, after reading these questions, that some of you may even need to do that. And again, I want to say, this is a safe place if you feel like you need to grill God. I wish I could say a word that I can't because I will be appropriate. But I know that for some of you, your life has been full of pain. And you've seen it around you. And you need to ask God tough questions. And I want you to. And you can throw them at us. And you can throw them at him. But I just want to say, as we keep moving in this, um, our hope and desire is that you'd be as honest as you can and then seek to be as humble as you can. Because every good relationship happens with humility. Now let me just cl close with a couple cl cool thoughts for me personally. See, the good news to me is this. Even though we're all apart from God and we and as long as we're apart from him and separated from him, we can't really know him. The good news is we and can be through Jesus Christ. We believe with all of our heart that we can actually be brought back together with God. And we can know him. Let me read these two verses I read to you again just really quickly. Romans 3.23. For all of sin, that's you and me, and we all fall short of God's glorious standard. Yet now in God, now God in his gracious kindness declares us not guilty, and he has done this through Christ Jesus who has freed us by taking away our sin. See, our sin separates us from him, and God said, well, let me just take that away so nothing will separate you from me. And then in Ephesians 2, it says, in those days you were living apart from Christ. You were excluded. See these words? Apart, excluded from God. And you did not know, you didn't know the promises that God had made. You lived in this world without God and without hope. But now, you belong to Christ Jesus, and though you once were far away from God, now you have been brought near to him because of the blood of Christ. See, what we believe is that God does want your story, your story to intersect with his story. And what we wonder, and our hope is for me, for my wife, for my children, and for you, 
is that you know, I'm 44. What do I got? 44 more years maybe? Am I right at the top? Am I, it's all downhill from here. If I have 44 more years, could I keep discovering more of God? And what would happen if I actually knew him? See, that's what hit me this morning, is all through the Bible, all God says is, I want to be with you. I will be with you. And I wonder, how would the rest of your story go? Let's do a little Paul Harvey. The rest of the story. What would happen with the rest of your story if all of a sudden you knew God? And your story came intersected with his. Um, here's what I think might happen. Can we, I'm just going to read a passage for you. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14, and I'm closing with this. Paul writes this, When I think of the wisdom and the scope of God's plan, I fall to my knees and I pray to the Father, the creator of everything in heaven and on earth. <laughs> in other words, I think what Paul's saying is, man, when I think of God's story, the wisdom and the scope of his plan, it's so much bigger. Its wisdom is beyond me. Its effect is for now and for eternity. And so again, personally, again here, guys, this is why I'm interested in relationship with God. I'm interested in your story. I'm interested in my story. But I'm interested in how those fit together in this bigger story of God's plan. And so I know that it, in, it is not an intellectual pursuit so I can get God. It's a relational pursuit. But if I'm ever going to have a relationship with God, it necessitates that I ask him honest, gut-wrenching, bold questions. If I'm going to know God, it does take my mind, it takes my heart, it takes my emotions, and it takes my will. It takes all of me. And that's why I'm still discovering this God whose scope and whose plan is so beyond me. And then he keeps going on. When I think of the wisdom and the scope of God's plan, he goes, I fall to my knees. And then verse 16, he says, and here's my vision for you and for me. Okay? This is why we're doing what we do. It's why we exist. I pray that from his glorious, unlimited resources, that he will give you mighty inner strength through his Holy Spirit. And I pray that Christ will be more and more at home in your hearts as you trust in him. May your roots go down deep into the soil of God's marvelous love. You guys, my hope for the rest of your story and for mine is that you might receive mighty inner strength and roots that go down deep for the storms of life in the love of God. And then the second thing, look what he says next. And I pray that you may have the power to understand, as God, all God's people should, how wide and how long and how high and how deep is his love really is. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is so great you will never fully understand it. Then you'll be filled with the full fullness of life and power that comes from God. See, as hard as this life is, I, I, the Bible says, though, man, God is love, and his love is beyond our ability to grasp or to even know unless something divine happens in our hearts. And somehow people have known the love of God in the mystery and in the horror and in the disappointment of this life. And I want you to know that love. And then the last thing is this. Now glory be to God. By his mighty power at work within us, he is able to accomplish infinitely more than we would ever dare to ask or hope. 
May he be given glory in the church and in Christ Jesus forever and ever through endless ages. Amen. The rest of your story. What would happen if it included the God who could do immeasurably more than you could even ask? So ask. Ask. Knock on his door. Seek. Be honest. Put the seatbelt on and raise your hands and go, bring it on. I'm going for the ride. And see what he has for you. We're going to be as honest as we can. I hope you'll be as honest as you can. And we're going to go down this road together as we try to discover him. And so we're going to close our day with the band coming out to give us a chance here right now to just kind of maybe stir in our heart through worship and through music, a remembrance of who God is and what he offers us, a God who is greater than us, whose story is bigger than ours, who knows things we'll never know, and a God who in the midst of that says, and I love you, and I want you and me to go through this thing together. So let's worship him as we move into this adventure of discovering more about God. Let's do it together.